0: You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix.
1: All right, it is a Sports Fix 2.0 Tuesday. Tommy's here. Aaron's here. This show is brought to you by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Um, yes, uh, you all were right. Uh, Brienne was in the first episode Aaron and I didn't see her. It's it's a quick glance. I think of her standing next to or behind Sansa in that original in that first scene when Jon and Daenerys are coming in on horseback. Um, but I I, I and it, it made sense that she should be there. I get it.
2: You know ma- right. maybe you couldn't see through your
1: visor. That's right, I had is a that, visor Is on. that the problem? Yeah, I had my White Walker visor yeah, on. Maybe yeah, I get, you I, couldn't see through Yeah, we that. play, play dress-up before What, what did I show. text you five minutes before the show? Oh, hold on, uh, you know what, you and Scott both. Scott I text texted me something five right minutes before the show. right before, right before the hold show on, started. I'm going to find it. You, I
2: texted you, what are you wearing?
1: That's right, you said, what are you wearing? <laughs> and Van Pelt, right before it started, what did he... Hold on, God damn it. Um, he sent me something really condescending, too. Uh, he just sent like uh dragon emojis, <laughs> and then he said, then he sent me a text when the show ended at ten o'clock. Did the dragon emoji hurt anybody?
2: Hey, does the dragon have a name?
1: Uh, yeah, they they all three had names.
2: Oh, what are do you remember what are their names?
1: Drogon and who? Which which is the one that died? Viserion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. because You got to have a name. And Regal died. Well, he's not. Dead anymore. He's on He's fight. Okay. Well, he's he now in, part of the is he in limbo? army of the un, of the of uh, the death. undead. Oh, the undead. <laughs> the, the, the army of the dead. Uh,
2: listen, between vampires and, and, and zombies, yeah, you wouldn't have TV programming
1: all right, without them. For, for all of you that enjoyed the recap, great. We're going to keep doing it. For those of you that didn't, I don't understand this. You don't have to listen to it. It's a podcast. You're not stuck in your car as we're doing live radio, and it's 15 minutes where you got to find something else to listen to. You don't have to listen to it. I mean, is that – I swear to God, I got at least a half dozen tweets saying, tuned out at the whatever mark. Please don't do this anymore. Uh, Not interested in your Game of Thrones stuff. okay. We you don't a, have to be interested. We you know did the full show first. I guarantee you, there are people yesterday probably listening that were not interested in the NFL draft stuff either, and they didn't have to listen. <laughs> you're right. That's the great That's thing, the about one thing about a
2: podcast. You're in control. I love doing this podcast. You are in control. If you're listening to the podcast, you can you decide what you want to listen to and what you don't.
1: Just do do us a favor. You know, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, and just. Listen to the ads and maybe occasionally buy anything that we're pitching. <laughs> That's good, too. All right. Um, we got a lot of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, the caps will start with, I stayed up and watched the NBA playoff game, the Warriors-Clippers game. Um, and I do want to talk about that. Uh, I want you to weigh in on Ruben Foster, Tiger. Um, also, yesterday was an anniversary of one of the the great fleecings of all time when it comes to NFL trades. And it actually happened to include the Washington Redskins as part of the deal, um, as one of the, one of the two participants in the deal. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on uh, as well. Uh, let's start with the caps. Uh, I'm sure it, it, Neil in Rockville texted me this morning. Tommy's got a real you know, a strong opinion about the fighting. Did you tweet something out last night about the fight? Well, the Ovechkin I just, I just fight tweet- with Andrei Svechnikov or whatever? I just tweeted out. Svechnikov. There you go.
2: If this was boxing, that kid from Carolina, nineteen years old, he wouldn't be able to get back in the ring for ninety days. Okay. Okay. So my point is, my point is, even boxing is more humane than this. They wouldn't allow that kid to fight again for three months. That I mean,
1: you know, that kid may be back on the ice in a week. Yeah, but the box a, a fighter doesn't have a scheduled fight in the next ninety days ever.
2: What, what are you talking about? They, can- but they're not allowed to. What are you talking about? Well, People fight, f- fighters fight every six weeks sometimes.
1: Not, not usually.
2: Not you, but they can. They
1: can. So if you have to wait next, but you, you are know-
2: literally banned from stepping into the ring for three months in boxing. It's it's part of the rules. Okay. But in hockey, right? This ridiculous uh, notion that that basically sanctioned assault—that uh, that kid could, if if he's if he passes the concussion protocol, he'll be back on the ice. I don't see how, but he will. Be- I mean, and it's just it's just uh, absurd that that this this is something that is part of the game. I don't want to argue the whole fighting in hockey thing. To me, why? But well, because there, this is
1: this is a passion of yours.
2: Yeah, I know that. I I get that. But and and you know what? At some point, we won't have to argue it because it won't exist. In hockey, well, at some point,
1: you know it's this is you know what they have to do then for if they really want this legislated out of the game, they've got to create rules to legislate it out of the game. It, it's it's but it's it's redu- not it's 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 uh, it's not it's not promoted, it's not pushed, it's not advocated as much anymore. But it's still part of the game. Before we get to this, and we, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. it this is more your thing. I actually, um, I, I like the hockey fighting. I think it's entertaining. I don't want anybody to get seriously hurt, but I, I think it's part of the sport and part of the sport that some people like and others don't like it. And You're, you're welcome to your own opinion. But I do want to ask you this. I, I felt watching it and certainly the replay of it, that Ovechkin certainly didn't initiate it. No. He was responding to this 19-year-old who said, let's go, yeah. and drop the gloves. And well, what was I o- mean, you
2: look at the video, Ovechkin it's dropped It's almost yeah. simultaneous. But, 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 I think but, but no, think Ovechkin, Ovechkin can... was being
1: egged on. Yes, he was. And it's very hard to egg him on. This was his fourth career fight.
2: He hadn't fought since 2010. Fourth career fight. I know. And, and, and as a whole different argument, uh, it's interesting that people thought that it would energize his team, I think it kind of sucked the life out. Well, of Well, it caps. did. I mean, well, I think people were stunned. I think everybody was stunned by a seeing Ovechkin fighting and b the damage done to the kid. And I think, I think it kind of like just shocked shocked his teammates. Well, it as much as they respect
1: it, may have inspired the Hurricanes. It, it
2: may have, but I, I mean, look, if if you watched hockey in this town, you had to be stunned to see that
1: i was shocked yes. were you watching it as yes. it happened i was too and yeah, I,
2: I couldn't believe it i'm watching it with my wife i said holy mackerel you never see this
1: you never see ovechkin fight and uh, i thought joe b and lachlan are our favorites i mean right. they are so good it's such a great broadcast go back and listen to the level i mean lachlan's already high-pitched yeah listen to the excitement and he, this he is stunned at what he is watching. They all were. Alan May, too, who's part of that broadcast. And Joe B., I think, has, I'm guessing he has the same feeling you have because he was, you could sense that there was some disappointment on his end that Ovechkin was, first of all, in that position, but that he was going to take a five-minute penalty. Yeah. And that he was going to be in the penalty box for five minutes and that it would hurt the team. I, I don't feel strongly, one way or the other, about fighting in hockey. When it happens, I'm not turning it off. I mean, I'd be lying if I told you I turned it off, or I turned away, or I was repulsed somehow. I'm not. I, I, I And last night was what Ovechkin did. And by the way, that that third short, you know, st- straight punch to the jaw was... Some people think the kid was knocked out with the head hitting the ice. I think it was the no, punch. No, I think it was the punch. I think it was the punch, too.
2: It, it, it was the punch. Uh, listen, um a culture. Sometimes you can be so close to a culture that you don't recognize how toxic and barbaric it can be, and this is, this is, it, it's it's ridiculous. I covered cops for fifteen years as a news reporter, and I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who dropped the gloves first or who said what to who first, if that happens on the street or in a bar, Ovechkin's getting hauled away in handcuffs.
1: Well, not if he was defending
2: himself. No, no. Doesn't you do that kind of damage well, he, to you, a guy you'll you're get, you'll have to sort it out in court but you're getting hauled away in handcuffs.
1: Well, not necessarily. Um but I'm not going to sit here and share stories with you but if if it's clear that the person's defending himself and everybody in that situation watches that person defend himself, he's not necessarily going to get hauled away in cuffs. But I understand generally the point is the the guy that's out cold is assumed to have been the victim yes. more times than not. Yes. And um but it, it will get sorted out. In it the it end. might get sorted out yeah.
2: later, but you are getting in the back of the squad car. But uh except in hockey. I mean, you know, it's amazing. In football they don't allow this football is brutal a sport as football is. The referees don't sit sit there and say, okay, go ahead. Have at it. In baseball with all the stupid brawls that they have, I mean the umpires don't say, okay, Go ahead and fight for a couple of minutes. It, it's, it's, it's absurd. And, and for people to say it's part of the game, you know, it might be part of what you grew up with, but I guarantee you, trust me, you're too close to the game if you think this is normal behavior, if you think this is acceptable. And guess what, people? It's going to be gone. It's getting reduced year by year. There's less fighting year by year. And at some point, if that kid doesn't get up, there's no more
1: fighting in the NHL. No more. Zip. What's your reaction when you're watching that? I want to know what your personal reaction is. I know what your general feeling on f- fighting in hockey is. But are you physically repulsed? Are you, are you traumatized by well, it Well initially,
2: initially, well, first of all. I want to know what your true feeling. is. Okay, well, are. my feeling is I, I go to my logical step. I say, I can't believe I'm watching a sport where this is allowed. Where, 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 where the point of the sport is not fighting, like boxing. But this is allowed. This is acceptable. I still can't. The, my first move is I can't believe this sport still allows this. That's what it is. Did I any- mean, I go right to my logical decision. I don't sit there with some kind of you know emotional, visceral kind of reaction to it. Okay. I mean, I look it. I cover boxing. I know you did. When I cover boxing, I don't cover it the same. I don't cover it the same way either. I don't cover it emotionally. I don't cover it with some kind of visceral feeling. I mean, I'm analyzing it. You know, so I don't have any kind of emotional, uh, uh, out, out, know, feeling except disgust that that this sport al- allows this to happen.
1: I um, you know, I, I I I know what you're saying. I I guess. I mean, does any part of you, as you're watching it, and Ovechkin connects with the third oh, shot? I was very imp- stand up and say, "Whoa, that was a punch!" Ovechkin, who's not a fighter, has. Uh, apparently learned how to fight maybe uh courtesy of some some wilson uh you know lessons maybe. along the way but that was a that was one of those short right hands tommy in boxing that connects oh yeah with a guy who was leading a little bit with his chin and boom that is a long fall they both engaged in it. This was not a cheap shot. This, I
2: didn't say it was. A I know. Cheap I know.
1: I'm, I, I'm wondering if you see any sort of distinction between an absolute cheap shot in hockey as part, of, which isn't part of the game necessarily, versus the you know the, both per, both players deciding simultaneously we're going to do this thing I, I, and we're going to do it in a fair way.
2: I, I I understand that. I obviously there's a distinction between a cheap shot. And players dropping the gloves. But when players drop the gloves, I mean, particularly in the playoffs, it would seem, uh, when the focus is higher, under normal conditions, under in, in an evolved society, the referees step in and say no. The officials step in and say no. You're not here to do this.
1: You're here to play hockey. What about two athletes who are competing at the highest levels in the most intense environments, a playoff, a postseason game, that – end up losing control and end and up I'm fighting. And I'm not
2: blaming them. I I'm blaming the game. But, I'm blaming it the could structure. But ha- it could
1: happen even if the rules were that they were going to get booted. We see fights in other sports yeah, as well. Yeah, and, and, and again. Are, are you just asking for stronger rules? I'm
2: asking for fighting not to be a sanctioned part of okay. hockey. I mean, that's what it is. And, and you know what's amazing? You know what's hilarious? Uh, people think they know you when they hear you talk or they see you know, or they read your writing. And uh I got called so many names from pussy to Snowflake to all kinds of stuff last oh, night. Want, I wanna see all that And in and, and the internet and, and one guy said he can't fight, that's why he says this. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so <laughs>
1: funny. It really is. Where is your tweet on this? I want to read the following Don't, worry, to about it. It. Don't no, worry about I it. Don't worry about it. No, no no
2: no no. No, I got roasted for oh, here good. it
1: is. If Svechnikov was a boxer, he wouldn't be allowed in the ring for 90 days. Horrible hockey culture that sanctions assault. And then here it comes. Milk toast take, if there there ever was one.
2: You see? You see, these people assume they know me. But he's a better
1: writer than me with all the mistakes I made. (laughs) Because I have this (laughs) Tom can't fight. (laughs) Stick to baseball, Gramps. (laughs) Uh, Assault. Two consenting adults. It just so happened that one was a man.
2: Yeah, I know. How do, like oh, they, yeah, that, How do you like that well, take? How do you like that take? What was a yeah, man?
1: Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, God, nobody came to your support. No, on this no, one. no.
2: Because again, because you're all too close to the sport that you love, and you don't realize if this was out on the street, this this would this would not be allowed. This would this is not acceptable human behavior.
1: I think that um, I think you using the word assault in this particular instance, may have turned people against this particular tweet because it wasn't a sanctioned assault, what you saw. You saw, well, the nat- you the saw national- two...
2: I'm not talking about Ovechkin. The okay.
1: NHL sanctioned it. They allowed it. Okay, I'm just saying that you had two guys that decided you know, th- they agreed that they were going to fight. They both dropped their gloves gloves, and said, this is how this particular disagreement is going and to get of solved. you and
2: I must have had different experiences about this because when I've seen two guys do that on the street or in a bar and one guy was on the floor mm-hmm. knocked out and the cops are there, the other guy's going to jail. I've been on both ends of those things
1: before. Okay. Not not that I am a fighter by a long shot. But you know, I mean, I think you and... The, I, I mean, I will certainly um, defend myself. Yes. If, I, if uh, you know, provoked. I don't want to get into this. Because right. let me just say that I've been in but that I position might... where the person that was still standing versus the person that was on the ground pretty much out um, was not taken away in cuffs. What? But it was because everybody watched what happened and saw that the person was provoked and well, and when the, and when of... the and by the way that person also got out of the the bar before everybody oh. showed up oh, there you go
2: there was nobody to haul away in cuffs
1: well the the <laughs> other guy was hauled away uh, With with m- much help, um, yes. milk toast take if there ever was one. That's yeah. that's what you know. Rob Dog said to you. I know,
2: like you know, what? a lot a lot of keyboard courage. <laughs>
1: <A> <laughs> Let lot me just of tell you something courage. about my boy Tommy. He'd kick any one of your asses. <laughs> Bring it on. He's not afraid. Um, All right. What? Uh, so, no, no, but so, the other part so,
2: of the fight is, I think I think it did the opposite effect what people thought it would do to the Capitals. I think I think they were like almost like comatose after after that. I mean, you know, if, I I don't I don't know if it's directly connected, but the feeling I think had most the feeling sitting at home was one of disbelief, not necessarily of wow that was great. You know, I think a lot of people were just shocked and dis in disbelief at what they saw, and I think I think the players were just all, a little bit unnerved, and I think Carolina was definitely. A little bit fired up, and here's the pro- here's another problem about this. Moving forward for Game Four, I see a lot of people saying, "Well, Carolina's not going to retaliate because they're worried about Tom Wilson." The last thing, the last thing the Capitals need is to
1: lose Wilson. Is is
2: <laughs> is for for them to to egg on Tom Wilson to basically engage one of them in a fight. And then guess what? Your boy is gone. They are hauling him away in handcuffs. They w- they,
1: the, the next one for him is is so that games. so that can't so happen. The, one one of the reactions I, I had was that if you're a Carolina fan or if you're a Carolina player, you just watch the guy that is a Hall of Famer that never fights, that scores all the goals, just knocks somebody out. It was it really was shocking to watch. It's like. That's Ovechkin. It would almost be like if Steph Curry knocks somebody yes. out. Yes, it you know, would. I, although the, the two are different. Curry's much more of a finesse player, and Ovechkin is a powerful Power. man. Oh, yeah. But it's like... He's a linebacker The out guy there. that scores all the goals just knocks somebody out. It was just <laughs> it was interesting to think of it that way. I I think the bigger conversation about the game last night, and you know I'm not a, a big-time hockey guy, but I love watching these playoff games, and I've watched all three now, is that... I think for more of the action, Caroline. First of all, last night was the biggest one-sided ass kicking I've ever seen the Caps take. I I don't know if anybody compared it to any other. I think
2: 2013 in a game maybe against the Rangers.
1: Oh, Game Seven might have been when they when they got beat at home with just a a, an absolute cowardly performance.
2: Yeah, I think that's the last performance that was this bad. They were outshot in the game
1: forty-five to eighteen. I mean, stunning. 18 to 1 in the second period, 30 to 8 over the final two periods. And I don't even think that reflected how much they were getting their ass and, kicked. And it the, wasn't
2: just the shooting, and for all of Ovechkin's fire and brimstone, you know, punching this guy out, uh Carolina
1: out hit the caps fifty two to thirty four. At one point it was forty to twenty. Yeah. At one point it was forty to twenty. Tommy, it was pure domination, you know. In terms of a casual hockey watcher, that's as much of a dominant performance as I've ever seen. The puck was rarely in the Carolina zone. I it think was... I think
2: Holby had forty saves,
1: well, he, and, and he, he still
2: gave up five five yeah,
1: goals. He did. Um, yeah. You know, the the, the the chippiness started, you know, in game two a little bit, but you saw it last night. I mean, after the, the Ovechkin, you know, Svechnikov uh situation, there was it was a physical, cheap, chippy game yes, the rest was. of the way. Niskanen took a, a a hit at the end of the oh, first period. That they that they that missed. They, that they completely missed. They missed that. Um the but the the domination by Carolina I think coming out of this game, after all of the conversation about Ovechkin fighting is over, is that Carolina is down 2-1 in the series. But to me, maybe I'm wrong, and some you you can certainly have at it with me on Twitter if you want. It's just been my impression watching that Carolina has basically carried and, and won much of the action in the first three games, the majority of the action. And they look like the much faster team. Last night in particular, the caps looked slow. Like they almost looked on me, and I made this note to myself, because this is something and I'm I'm being halfway serious, half, you know, tongue in cheek. This is the kind of thing that if you get into the sports book business, Ted, Ted the Bookie. Yes, and you have your team with a sports book attached to your arena, and you have your team play a game like that, there could be an investigation. Into a game like that, really? These are the kind of games that, when they're that one-sided in a game that was a toss-up going in, you wonder whether or not the Caps just said, "Ah, you know what? The boss took too much action on us tonight. He took too much action. He couldn't, he couldn't lay the action off. It's all Caps action tonight." And Ted said, "You know what? We're up to nothing. You know, it's okay if we lose one oh here. Oh my God! Um, but but seriously, though, the Caps were dominated in this game." And I thought for portions of Game 1 and Game 2, they were dominated. I think the big difference last night, correct me if I'm wrong, is the Caps didn't get that first goal. And in the first two games, they got the first two goals. Yes. And they got the first two goals during periods of play that weren't, you know, Caps dominated. You know, they... In game one, they got that unexpected shot from Backstrom that started it off after Carolina had dominated the first seven or eight minutes right. of the game. And Backstrom fires one unexpectedly. It goes in. Then they got on the power play, and, and Backstrom scored again. And it, it's 2 nothing. Last night, Carolina got on the board first, and it energized this young team at home the crowd they kept talking about the crowd uh joe b and, and lachlan did did about how alan
2: may said it was the loudest arena that they have played yeah
1: in. It said they said it was out of control i mean louder than been, vegas I mean, last year it, in the finals it's a monday night and they said that they were tailgating at four o'clock in the afternoon for a monday night game they hadn't had a home playoff game since 2009 right but did you ever sent the sense that i did that the caps looked slow and that Carolina looked fast. They beat him to every puck. They had so many more opportunities. The puck uh, and puck possession in terms of zone time, I'd love to see that stat. It just seemed like the Caps never had it in the offensive no, zone. No, you're
2: right. You're right. It, it It seemed like they couldn't generate anything offensively. And, you know, this really speaks to Todd Reardon right now. I mean Todd Reardon in you're gonna
1: jump on him no, after three games. I, I'm, I'm
2: just point I'm just saying who, Wait, Is who, it because
1: who, of Barry Trotts being up three nothing? I'm
2: just saying who the pressure is on. Uh Todd Reardon spoke about after game one, how he loves the, the 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 chance to make adjustments between games. He loves that part of the coaching job. Well then we're gonna see. Well but he's after game two, after day one. And when they were clearly dominated and uh, on the power play, their power play was not that effective in Game 2. Uh, it was
1: but, very effective in Game 1. Yes,
2: but not in Game 2. Right. And and part of what we saw last night was creeping in in Game 2, this, this offensive dominance. Uh, Reardon said, we're going to have to make some adjustments. He said that after Game 2. So we're assuming... So he, so
1: he was a bit... I, I didn't, that was my, not my takeaway after game two. I think I mentioned mentioned Aaron yesterday, I think the Caps have been outplayed for a lot of these first two games, but they're up 2-0, and that's hockey. But you're saying that he recognized it after he, game he two. He
2: recognized that they would have, he said they were going to have to make some adjustments. Okay. Uh, and, and the, I mean, so if the, the focus is on Reardon. If if he says we need to make adjustments, and then then, then, then the next thing you see is a performance like we saw last night. Right So they're going to have to make a lot more adjustments now for game four. so in that sense, that's what I mean. It's on Todd Reardon. because he's I mean this is supposedly what he's good at the being a master
1: strategist well I just I had the sense after last night's game that game four is huge for the caps in this series that if Carolina comes back and they win another one, and say they win it in dominant fashion, I mean, hockey's crazy because it just changes game to game. Yes. But if they get dominated again and they lose, I mean, if they just lose, period, but especially if they get dominated like they did uh, last night, that the series has turned and that Carolina becomes the favorite, regardless of whether or not the games are two of the final three would be in Washington. I, 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 I'm guessing the Caps will win this series, but again... It's we've been through this before watching these postseason series where you're sitting there and you're saying, man, you know they don't look like the better team, but then then they win the series. I'm not talking about the Caps. Just it it happens in hockey. Always happens in hockey. But last night was a no doubter. Like there was nothing flukish or random about that. That was a in a sport where sometimes it's hard to really dominate or, or at least. For people that that are watching to see pure domination, that was it last night. The Caps got their ass kicked. Really, starting with the moment that fight ended, Novechkin went to the penalty box for five minutes. For the rest of the game, yeah. they were dominated. Yeah. I mean, completely. It's pummeled. almost
2: like they slip-walked through the. It's almost.
1: It was almost like they got the word that they needed to lose Game Three. <laughs>
2: now I because to... the
1: boss owns a sports book that took took too much action. <laughs>
2: I wanted to bring something up that doesn't necessarily fit in with what we saw last night, but it's something I'm so amazed at. And I guess, you know, because I cover sports, I I notice these things and the people who out there listening and, and reading are much smarter than me and that they, they don't seem to pay attention to these things. You know, my takeaway about this caps team after the first two games that I'm stunned at is how much, how much the playoff failures were in their head. Were literally in their I mean
1: Is that a th- revelation?
2: Oh uh, no, you? I oh absolutely I covered a lot of sports. I've never seen a team verbalize, yeah, we thought we we couldn't beat anybody. We I've never heard a team do that. They were
1: begging for the crowd not to get down and, and right. angst ridden and, last and, year. And
2: and and you know and they, fe- I've said this before. They felt what the crowd felt. They all felt the same thing. I've never seen a team like they have verbalized in 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 this postseason so far. So why did last night bring it up? I don't. Well, no, not it didn't bring it up. It's we haven't been on since I had a okay. chance to talk about this. In the first two games, the whole message before the series started, and in the first two games was how much they learned about themselves from last year about how to respond. Well, that tells me before last year. When they would be de- when they face a situation like this, series would be over. They'd be done. I mean, because in their own minds, they were defeated. I've never seen a team admit that as as easily as the Caps have.
1: It is strange because all of their uh, postseason failures they they went back so many years with so many groups of players yes. and coaches and front office members, etc. But you know, if you think back to last year. Um, the game five, after they had evened up the series against Columbus 2-2, after dropping the first two, when they dropped the first two at home against Columbus, you're like, eh, it's over. Here yeah. they go again. Oh, yeah. You know, it's over. And then they won the two games in Columbus, and then they came home for game five. And they were completely outplayed in that game. I want to say that the shots on goal in the third period, because the game went to overtime, it was like 19-1. to 1. Remember, Columbus just peppered. Yeah. Peppered. Uh, Holtby in the third period and they didn't get one through and they went to overtime and the Caps got a backstrom goal. If I recall to win the game in overtime, if Columbus had gotten one of those shots to go through, you know, they were peppering Holtby the entire third period in a, in a tie game, you know in in Washington in game 5 a pivotal game if they had gotten one of those shots at, at whatever the score was tied 2-2 3-3 4-4 whatever it was to go through uh, caps may that that run may have ended right there yeah it may have ended right there because that w- that was the game out of all of them last year in the postseason that was the game that the crowd was Oh God! Here we go again. And the team—you could see—they were oh, yeah. stuck. Yeah, the, the anxiety had taken over. They were stuck. They couldn't move. And you—you mentioned—I don't know what year it was. The—the the other bad beat. The, the bad the beating was, was 2013. against the, the, the game seven against the Rangers. That was two thousand thirteen. I remember they fell behind early in that game, and it was like it was over. Over game seven at home, and they—it looked like it was a cowardly performance. Like they couldn't summon up any fight whatsoever and it was probably this psychological thing they had to overcome well uh, but but last year that columbus game five if it goes the other way they may they may not have had that run
2: well one of the things they keep talking about was what they learned last year and i i the way i put it was not every disaster in the making has to be a disaster in other words not every not every blown lead means you're done uh, it it all depends on your response. They've used the word response repeatedly in interviews. How will they respond after that game three?
1: That's yeah. the key. Yeah, their response. I mean, they're up two one in the series, though. So the you know the the you know the the real angst ridden part of previous series. They haven't gotten to that part no, they where, haven't. where the pressure is so so thick that they they feel it and the crowd feels it and the whole thing. I will say this though Tommy, if it's 2-2 coming home in a game 5 and they fall behind one nothing, they could start to have those feelings again. But I don't know. Last year, the two wins against Tampa after Tampa had run off three wins in a row to take a 3-2 series lead and they won that game 5 in Washington. Um or they won that game 5, I'm sorry, in Tampa. Um, those final two games, I think, really was the. I guess most people would say it was beating Pittsburgh, you know, and and getting that game six win in Pittsburgh in overtime to you know finally beat the Penguins, and that was a huge. Weight lifted off their shoulders, right beating Pittsburgh. But Tampa in the Eastern Conference Finals, they were down three two after Tampa had run three straight games. They had won three in a row after falling behind two 0 in the series, and the Caps went shutout, shutout yeah. to end that series. Yeah, they came up big. That was an even bigger spot than the than the Penguin series because the Penguin series they weren't within one game of elimination. They were against Tampa at home in Game Six. And they pulled it off, and then they went to Tampa and won Game 7, and that's when the party outside of Capital One <laughs> Arena started and lasted for the next, you know, five games or yeah. six, six games, including Game 7 against Tampa. But anyway, um, I don't know. I, I, I Predicting these, I don't know how anybody bets playoff hockey or hockey in general. It just seems like, look at, look at the results. I, I, the only way I think I, I never bet hockey, I think the only way to bet it is just to bet the underdogs. Just, right, Aaron? Just take the pluses and take the underdogs because the underdogs have a great chance to win in all of these games. Like, if you had had in the first three games Columbus against Tampa three times, you'd be sitting nearly, it depends on your wager size, you'd be in almost the same shape that the guy that bet his last $85,000 in Tiger Woods. Yeah. But
2: if you were going into the playoffs, wouldn't you have thought Tampa
1: was a lock? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying about yeah. hockey. Like it's never a lock. Yeah, nothing is ever a lock. Yeah, like the Warriors over the Clippers should be a lock, but last night <laughs> would have been great to have the Clippers plus thirteen. I almost played it. By the way, I didn't though. The Hurricanes were favored yesterday. They were favored in Game Three. Yeah. Okay, so taking the dog, you would have taken the Caps last night. Yeah. yeah. Um, were they? just They had to be a slight. I, it favorite. was minus one thirty. It wasn't yeah. a big favorite. But I mean, you've already got in these playoffs, right? In the East, you've got. You've got the Islanders and Columbus. Was Pittsburgh a favorite? They probably weren't favorite against New York because New York had the um, had home ice. I think they had home ice advantage, right? Didn't the Islanders have home ice advantage against Pittsburgh? You, nobody knows. God, this show is weak when it comes to hockey. I, I got. I think the Islanders had home odds. ice advantage and won the first two at home, and then won Game Three in Pittsburgh uh, on Sunday. So, yes, that's exactly what happened. I just I just pulled it up. So you've yeah. got in the East. You've got um two ser- you've got the Blue Jackets with a shocking 3-nothing lead over the Lightning. You've got Toronto now with a 2-1 lead. They won last night over Boston. They are the lower seeded team. Uh Pittsburgh, I don't know who was favored in that series. I would imagine that that was a toss-up regardless of home ice advantage, but the Islanders are in, you know, massive control um up 3-nothing and I guess they could end that tonight. Does Pittsburgh? Yeah, tonight Tampa Columbus yes. Pittsburgh Islanders, Pittsburgh's favorite tonight at home Tampa's favorite on the road to avoid uh, elimination to avoid a sweep. Tampa's a minus one thirty five favorite tonight on the road at Columbus. Tommy's just sitting here looking like are we do gonna you talk? Ever, do you ever bet hockey? I just well you you're not paying attention today. I said I never bet hockey, but if I did, I think I would just play the underdogs. I would just more likely than not play the underdogs out west. I think you've got a bunch of lower-seeded teams in control, too. The Avalanche are up 2-1 over Calgary. They're the lower-seeded team. Dallas is, no, the Preds won last night, so they're up 3-2. There you go. Uh, Sharks, Golden Knights, you want to know how that series going? You know what? Golden Kevin, Knights, Vegas is, is up like a 2-1. Kid,
2: a 14-year-old kid who just stole his dad's car.
1: <laughs> I did that a few times.
2: Yeah, Vegas. He, ve- he, he doesn't know where he's driving, but he's ve-
1: driving. Vegas is up 2-1 in that series. They were the lower-seeded team. And St. Louis is up 2-1 in their series, and they were the lower-seeded team. So right now in hockey, one, two, three, four, five of the eight series, the lower-seeded teams are uh, winning the series. That's that's hockey. Yeah. Like who the hell knows what's gonna happen? I mean, I would not bet on the I mean, would you bet against the Lightning winning four in a row? No. They could certainly do it. Of course they did. We've seen teams get swept all the time. Yeah. But not from down three nothing. That would, be, that, that would be one of the biggest stunners. I mean, we had Wyshynski on the show last week. We've had Joe B. talking about Tampa, and everybody has said, man, this is one of the great yes. regular season teams of all time. Well, guess what? They're about to get bounced in the first <laughs> round. All right, I want to do a quick word on Window Nation and then get to some of the other stuff. And Tommy's got to weigh in on Ruben Foster and Tiger uh, as well. It's Window Nation's annual spring cleaning sales event right now. Uh, if your windows are having issues, you might see it through cracks or they're hard to open or there's unusual moisture around the windows, or you may just think it's time to get new windows. If you believe that you need new windows or you want new windows, give Window Nation a shot. You can schedule a free in-home estimate. Free no risk to just call them up at 866 nation or go to windownation.com. Have them come out, give you a free estimate. By the way, that estimate that they give you, the price quote, is good for 60 days. So you don't have to make up your mind right away. Window Nation will save you 33% off your entire purchase right now. Window, siding, and doors. Get upfront pricing, no hidden terms, just 33% off every style of window, house of siding, and all doors, including labor. Plus, for the next two weeks... Save even more with 0% interest for five full years on your entire purchase. That 0% interest until the year 2024. Get a jump on your spring cleanup and call Window Nation, where every window is installed by factory-trained professionals and guaranteed to be done right the first time. And every window is backed by a company with an A-plus Better Business Bureau ranking and over 10,000 positive online reviews. These are the many reasons Window Nation has all already installed during the time uh, since the company was built over 475,000 windows in more than 80,000 homes, including mine. Hurry. These off season savings won't last long. Call 866 nation visit WindowNation.com. You can ask for Harley, Aaron, Eric, and tell them that I told you to call 866 nation or WindowNation.com. So I stayed up last night and I watched the entire Clippers Warriors game. I wish I had watched this. It, so I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I just had the TV on in the background as they were building. I just had it on. I wasn't watching anything else. I was, I think I was watching some YouTube videos of. Um, I was watching a couple of YouTube videos of some Game of Thrones follow-up. Why? What a shock that is! (laughs) So anyway, so I'm sitting there and the TV's on and and Golden State's you know up thirty. They're actually up thirty one with seven and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. And by the way, Steph Curry had put on a show. Yeah, you know he had twenty plus. I bet he shot the ball, didn't he? He shot it, Tommy. Okay. Shot shot a lot. He was five for eleven from behind the arc and finished with twenty nine. He's pretty good at shooting the ball. He's, He's a good player. Um. And then all of a sudden, like the Clippers, who I mentioned yesterday on the podcast briefly, I think I mentioned this at the end when we were talking about the NBA play- playoffs. I said to Aaron, he won't remember because he was just waiting for us to get to the Game of Thrones recap. Of course. I said, man, the Clippers, they try hard. Like Patrick Beverly is just, he tries so hard. And then Montrez Harrell from Louisville. All right. I I remember I didn't have any idea whether or not this guy would be a great player or not. He ended up going in the second round in the 2015 draft. He tries even harder than Beverly does. (laughs) And he's a monster, by the way. And he doesn't even start, he comes off the bench. And then the Clippers have Lou Williams, who is as Barkley and Kenny Smith and Shaq on, on the TNT, you know, uh, post postgame halftime show they like to refer to various guys as professional scorers <laughs> lou williams is a professional scorer he just knows how to score if you say lou i need 35 off the bench tonight he'll go get you 35 lou i need 18 tonight and i need you to facilitate that's fine too but he's a professional scorer he had 36 off the bench And 11 assists. I think he's the first player ever to come off the bench and have 30 plus and double digit assists in a game. He was unstoppable down the stretch. But in watching this, I know the NBA playoffs right now for a lot of you are really like, I've heard this from many of you. I'm not into the NBA playoffs this year. For a lot of us who are Wizards fans, I understand like there's been some reason to be excited about the NBA postseason for the last four or five years and now and and you got a lot of teams in it you know the nets and the and the bucks and the clippers and you know like te- teams that are good that nobody knows about like utah and denver are good but there's no lebron and there's no buzz for the nba playoffs I, that's the way i feel i don't know if you feel the same way no
2: i agree 100% i mean this is a bigger picture argument but i think as much as we celebrate how the nba is popular among young people I think it's becoming, as my uh, my co-teacher at Georgetown, Marty Conway, has referred to it, the Millennial Basketball League. <laughs> Not the NBA, but the MBL. I mean, with, with all the LeBron drama, with the Anthony <laughs> Davis drama. The MBL. You know? Uh, and as a product, as a basketball product, it stinks.
1: Well, that's... Th- no, it stinks. No, no, no. It's some of the... Some of what happens on a basketball court now is amazing to watch, but I am actually a little bit with you, and I I don't know if I would refer to it as a millennial issue. I will say this, there is way too much, you know, stuff beyond basketball. You and I have said this so many times when we've talked about various things that have nothing to do with games. We love the games more than the names, you know, and the games are the best. And last night, you know, it was for a moment here in this NBA season, you were able to put aside all of the extracurricular and watch a team, by the way, Doc Rivers, he has some of the biggest, he has coached some of the biggest comebacks in NBA playoff history. And now he's got the single biggest comeback in NBA playoff history, which was last night down 31 in the second half. And he came back to win. And so there's something there with him where he's able to create some. He's he's able to create something in his players. Well, that you know say, what he does? He don't leaves, give
2: up. He leaves pot. He leaves bags of money around the locker <laughs> he, room. He Might do
1: that. I know he does. he, well, he did that yeah, once. he did that. He did do that once. <laughs> um, but you ha- you also have to have a couple of players with that mentality of fuck it. I don't give a shit what the score is. I'm going down swinging. And that's Beverly. That's Montrezl Harrell. Um, that's Lou Williams to a certain degree, even though he's more of an offensive guy and they're dive. I mean, down 25, they're diving for loose balls. Beverly still, have you seen him guard Durant? (laughs) Oh, I've seen the video.
2: It's hilarious. So we talked about this before the show. I mean, how many times have you played against guys like that? They're the the worst in, in the gym or something like that. Guys who just, who just are such pests and such high energy pests.
1: For anybody that p- has played basketball at any level, and and for those guys out there that are listening that still playing pickup games, what's worse than when you see the Patrick Beverly type? And there's yeah. one in almost every game, and all of a sudden he's walking towards you because he's going to guard <laughs> you, and you're like, oh shit, I don't <laughs> want this guy checking me. You want the guy that is only interested in offense, you know, gu- guarding you. And Beverly has – he's in Durant's head. Oh, yeah. Durant fouled out late in regulation. But on the comeback itself. So I'm sitting here watching, and I'm starting to pay attention as they get it inside, you know, 15. And it's like, you know, they're not going to win the game. I mean, no, there was never a moment, Tommy, until the very end that I actually thought they would complete the comeback. But, you know, there's like six minutes left in the game, and they're still down 14. You know they've cut it from thirty one to fourteen, but you don't have any sense that they're going to win. It was a slow chip away at the thing by the way um Steve Kerr afterwards, I thought took weight basically didn't give the clippers enough credit. He basically said we stopped playing, and he emphasized it over and over It was about us yeah i didn't you know I saw that to a certain extent, but what I also saw is something that cannot be denied and Barkley and Smith they were all talking about it in the post game is this this team has a couple of characters on it that just refuse to die they just have that mentality and so that's what i noticed as they were chipping away not to and then you throw in Lou Williams who was uncheckable and all of a sudden it's like 6 with 4 minutes to go and you're like Wow, that's amazing that they got... But still, no sense that Golden State wouldn't amp it up and and win the game. And I thought there were a couple of bad calls that went against the Clippers down the stretch. And then when Durant fouled out, um, it, it was down now to the final few minutes. And Curry hits a huge three... With about a minute to go to give them a three-point lead after the Clippers had come all the way back to tie it up at 128, 126, 126, something like that. Curry hits a three, and I'm like, okay, that's going to be it. But back on the other end, Lou Williams gets to his spot, hits a mid-range jumper. It's down to one. And then you could see, without Durant on the floor... And Steve Kerr, I think, did a poor job of coaching him down the stretch. There was no structure. They took bad shots. Klay Thompson missed a thirty foot three. Now he wasn't guarded like they they messed up defensively, and he took a three that, you know, probably for for Golden State's not a bad shot, but still nobody drove it to the rim. And then this guy Shamit. Um, knocks down a three off of, you know, Lou Williams got doubled, and they went to uh, Alexander. He drives, kicks it. They're up two. And still even then, with whatever it was, 15 seconds left, I'm thinking, eh, Golden State's going to come down, and Curry's going to hit a big shot. And Curry forced up a three, missed it, and Steve Ballmer, by the way, the owner of the Clippers, you know, the co-Microsoft right. founder, Oh god, he's annoying. Every cutaway was to Balmer. Like he does this thing, he gets so excited and he kicks his legs up in the air as he's yeah, sitting yeah. on this chair. He was really annoying to watch, but um it was a shocker. When they when they got that rebound and Harold goes to the other end and he knocks down both free throws and and they're up 4. It's like, "Oh my god, this just happened." They were down 31 in the second half of a game. Now, no other sport really offers the opportunity for that kind of comeback like the NBA does.
2: No, that's why everybody <laughs> says the only thing you have to watch is the last 2 minutes. <laughs> well,
1: in this case, you missed a lot leading up to the final 2 minutes. It was really uh, go, there's no way Golden State's going to lose this series, but you if you stayed up and you watched that last night and you were sort of lukewarm about the NBA playoffs, well, you just got a series to follow. Like, you want to see Game 3 in L.A. now. That sounds like I would. Yeah. uh, They're on late, though, (laughs) these West Coast games. (laughs) They're on late. But that was really exciting. Meantime, just just to mention this, um, because I really didn't watch this, because the Caps game was on. I was watching the Caps game. But do you know that the Sixers last night, up one at halftime, scored 51 points in the third quarter? Did they really? They outscored Brooklyn fifty-one saw... to twenty-three in the third quarter and won one forty-five to one twenty-three.
2: Yeah, I saw at one point the score was one thirty-nine something.
1: Un- incredible. Um, uh, Simmons... I, guess,
2: I guess they they put their cell phones away for that
1: game. Yeah, you know what? I I I had that to talk about it yesterday, but I'm glad you brought it up. Um...
2: Well, we don't need to talk about it now because I got something to talk to you about okay. that, that's, that has nothing to do with the NBA. Okay, fine. Okay. Yep. And and you know what? If I'm going over ground you went over.
1: Please forgive me. Are we doing Reuben Foster now? No. Okay. No. Okay.
2: Did you read the sport uh, in Sports Illustrated what Scott McLuhan said about Kyler Murray?
1: I just know what he said about Kyler Murray with John Kine, that he's the only quarterback on the board that he would take in the first round.
2: This is what he told Sports Illustrated. Uh, to be a legit NFL quarterback, you've got to have leadership qualities. Watching Kyler do an interview, it's like, Come on, man, what do you got? Give me something. I'm sure they're trying to train him up, but he's just not a go-getter. Doesn't mean he can't be a good quarterback. Just means he's not going to be the guy in the locker room. I'd get face-to-face so I could say, listen, if I'm investing a first-round pick on you, you need to look me in the eye and tell me your football through and through no matter what. I got to know that. You can go play baseball. That's your choice. But what you choose to do affects my career, my coach's career, and their families. i got to understand that you have the passion. The players need to know it. They can read your bullshit real quickly. Coaches, too. He's got to prove this is what he wants to be. Interesting. Very
1: provocative. Well, and by the way, well said. Yes. Because that's the difference. Are these teams that can see the psychological makeup of the player and what the player is. Is he a phony or is he real? I mean, any, all these NFL guys can watch the tape and come to similar conclusions, but especially at that position, you got to be sure about the character and, and the want to. And when he did Kimes podcast and I played some of that, right? We played some of what, what McClellan said about, uh, you know, he did not mention Kyler Murray by name, but he, uh uh, i'm i'm gonna mess this up because i don't remember it exactly so i'll paraphrase john asked him about the quarterbacks and because scott McLuhan's selling information he's not giving out all of the information and and according to to the si story
2: according to the si story he was very instrumental in the drafting of baker mayfield in cleveland
1: well he was a part of their draft cleveland i think is still using McLuhan. yes but um McLuhan said there's only one quarterback in the first round worth taking, and he had already said that he wasn't, you know, he had already picked apart some of the other quarterbacks. So the assumption was that he was talking about Kyler Murray. But that would indicate that, would indicate that he wouldn't that he's take got Kyler
2: some, He's got some big issues. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, the, the, the rumors over the weekend – you know, and this is gonna happen between now and next Thursday night. You're gonna see so many stories out there, and some of them are gonna be real and some of them are gonna be pushed narratives by teams trying to head fake people. Um, but you know, much of the discussion about Murray is maybe now he's not gonna to go to Arizona, number one overall. That there are a lot of concerns about Kyler Murray. But again, I, I think when they picked Cliff Kingsbury, this is what they had in mind. But maybe they'll all come to the conclusion, yes, that's why we hired you and this was the plan, but it's he's too much of a risk. And in the meantime, Tommy, you're hearing things from Josh Rosen's current teammates about Rosen that are very positive. Yes. Very yeah. positive about yeah. him.
2: Yeah. Now, if you're the Cardinals, uh, okay, let me ask you this because you, you, you probably know this much more than I would. What are the chances that Dan Snyder is working as diligently as he can to try to come up with some kind of trade package to get that number one pick to draft Kyler Murray.
1: It's not 0%. Okay. It's not 0%. I guarantee you that that conversation has taken place, and I do know for a fact that the Redskins have asked Arizona about Josh Rosen. But I was under the impression that part of that is because they were told the number one pick is not available. We're going to use that number one pick. And, because and,
2: and if Josh Rosen is as good as everybody says he is, maybe not as good as Kyler Murray, but like people have pretty much conceded that if he was coming out in this draft, he'd be the next quarterback taken after Kyler Murray. If he's that good and you're a new coach in Arizona and you have a chance to get uh, two number ones in the next two years and two number twos, in the next two years to build your team? Why you, wouldn't you, you do? Why, you, why wouldn't you keep the quarterback Is that's good and, and get those draft picks? I,
1: I agree with you. You also could be looking at the top of the draft at two potential game-changing, game-impacting for 10 years defensive players. Yes. And I'm talking about pass rushers in particular in Bosa. You know, and Quinnen Williams would be a, could be a dominant defensive linemen. So, you know, they could be looking at those guys too. By the way, one quick thing, because I don't want to lose this thought. I think that you, I mean, you, you said this more recently. We've talked about this for years. I have a weird feeling that Rosen has said to somebody, not the Redskins.
2: I just have a weird... That's what I wrote. I wrote last week. I said, you go back and you look at the stuff that he's talked about in his interviews and he... If he's your quarterback in a place like Washington, D.C., the biggest stage for politics and causes, he's going to have something to say about a lot of things.
1: I also think because of that, the Redskins are going to potentially make it appear as if they were never really interested. I just don't know anything. It's just a gut feel. One conversation very recently – Um, And it was an offhanded conversation that sort of led me to believe that the Redskins have decided, you know what, it's probably not going to work out, so we're not interested. I think think that's entirely possible. So I I am now here on Tuesday, April 16th. I am leaning towards a Josh Rosen deal not happening. Not happening. The reasons why are all speculation. But what Tommy wrote and what we've talked about here and what Tommy's talked about with Andy and everywhere else – um, and Chad, I wouldn't shock me if one day it comes out that Rosen, you know, the Redskins had inquired of, to, uh, about Rosen with Arizona, and Rosen said, and Rosen doesn't have a choice in the matter, but Rosen maybe said, you know what, not playing for them.
2: Yeah, you, know, you don't want, you don't want a quarterback on your team who, in his first interview uh, before the press, is going to say, you know, I think the name is racist. <laughs> but i don't have a choice i have to play right. for them right. you don't want that
1: no you don't want that you don't want that and as we've we, we've talked about before it's either happened already and we don't know about it with yeah. with some player not rosen specifically but with somebody and if it hasn't more likely than not it might happen down the road at the same time and i know this is going to anger some of you but i think you know there's been this is really this whole issue in all of the name changers out there. It's been really pushed to the yes. oh, has. you know, and, and I'm not saying that the post poll in 2016 ended the, the debate. Uh, the problem was, is that the name changers didn't want to debate in the first place. They just wanted to shove it down everybody's throat and say, this is the way Native Americans feel, take it or leave it. This is the way they feel. It's a racist term. They believe it's racist and they're all hurt by it. And they didn't want to acknowledge some of the data out there that suggested that that that, that wasn't the case but anyway um i i did I, we had other things on the, the the murray thing's interesting this whole draft is all of these drafts now year in and year out yeah, become very interesting russell wilson signed the big contract extension late last night I, i'm surprised that seattle caved but i also thought when i when it got done and did you see the instagram post yeah. oh yeah him and his wife yeah at I, three in the morning look i, I know 344 a.m
2: people who cover him say he's one strange dude uh, he's also but, a but winner.
1: He, he is he is a winner and, and when i i i was surprised that seattle caved because part of me was thinking the seattle's gonna prepare for the draft john schneider's preparing for the draft and they'll get around to it in July and this was just a false demand a false you know ultimatum i mean if they went with if they went to him in July with the biggest deal in the history of nfl football hey, he's not gonna was he going to turn no. it down in july right. but anyway they got the deal done last night it turns out to be 35 million per year biggest contract you know in annual average um, for an NFL player ever. But I, I, my, my one thought about Russell Wilson and Cooley and I had th- this debate a lot because he was not a big Russell Wilson fan as, in terms of a pocket passer. Said so he was very limited as a pocket passer, but one thing he never debated, and, and this is why you, you sign and you keep Russell Wilson. He's a winner. He he's and he's the X factor in every game. He bails them out of more difficult situations than any player can at that position and he does it in a way that very few players can do it he's a magician in escaping and creating and extending and making big plays and by the way a lot of those big plays for him happen in the fourth quarter with the game on the line yes they do in big games i'm with you so i if russell wilson were my team's quarterback i would never ever want them to, to, to let him go. And in terms of the trade discussions that were going on, or the, I'm sorry, the stories about potential trades involving Russell Wilson, my God, can you imagine what you'd have to give up to get Russell Wilson? If you were the giants, Yeah, it would have been both firsts next year's, you know, this year's second next year's first, whatever it was, it would have been so expensive. And then you would have had to pay him. Yes. Um, he's, he's perfect for that team. He's perfect for that coach. Uh, I know that maybe they wanted to live in LA or New York, whatever, you know, the Pacific Northwest is beautiful. Um, and he's perfect for Seattle. I'm actually glad he's staying, uh, in Seattle. All right. Uh, quick, um, quick word about launch workplaces. And then we'll get to Ruben Foster in Tiger Woods and give Tommy a chance to weigh in on both. If you live in the three, two, one. If you live in the Bethesda, Upper Northwest DC, Chevy Chase, Potomac area, or just over the American Legion Bridge in... Northern Virginia, and you're looking for a new place to work, you've got an office that you got to move out of, or you're working from your home, and it's hard to get work done from home because of the kids or the dogs or whatever, I want you to check out Launch Workplaces in Bethesda. They have flexible and affordable private office solutions so you can get work done. It's a beautiful new space. It provides fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks, high-speed internet, complimentary drinks. They've got a cafe. They've got free parking and 24-7 access. You get more work done from Launch Workplaces. Now to find out about Launch Workplaces, call 240-800-6714, that's 240-800-6714 tell them that i told you to call you can get a free two-day trial to try it out you can go to launchworkplaces.com as well to find out all the information and they've got other locations throughout town so if you don't live in that area that i described and you live somewhere else but you're looking for office space go to launchworkplaces.com and you can find out where their other locations are all right um i spent 10 15 minutes yesterday talking about reuben foster and the fact that he was not suspended. He was fined two game checks, but he was not suspended. It was a surprise to me. I I really expected that he was going to get a couple of games at the very least. Um, But you and I were both harshly critical of the Redskins signing him. We never never presumed Gilder innocence. We talked much more about how the Redskins handled it um, than the actual uh, claiming off waivers itself. But I want to give you a chance here. To uh, respond, because you did write a, a, a typical entertaining column about <laughs> well, it.
2: Well, first of all, there was one guy who listens to the show who said he couldn't wait till I came on the podcast to talk about Reuven Foster. So you would basically set me straight. And if I tell me if I, I forget this, we both had the same opinion. Yeah about Ruben Farr. So no. we said it didn't have anything to do with whether he did this or not. Right. It had nothing to do with his guilt or innocent. That's right. It was the Redskins were not the team that oh, could take this chance.
1: Hold on for a second. If if somebody you know, thought that somehow I was going to set Tommy straight on this, no, we essentially had the same view. Yes. And yesterday on the podcast, what I did is, and I did it on Twitter on Friday, I acknowledged that in the moment, and I believe that this is very difficult to debate. Maybe we will debate this. But in the moment, the news that Reuben Foster wasn't suspended, by the way, following on the news that the charges were dropped, was good news for the Redskins, and it made them look right in the moment. doesn't mean they're going to be long-term right, and it doesn't mean that they handled it correctly in the moment back in November of 2018. But I guarantee you that Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder... This was an exhilarating moment. for
2: them. I I agree with that. Okay, I agree with that. I mean, and for their for the core fan base, I'm sure they were elated. This was great news. If you were a, if you're a Redskins fan, and, and and you're part of that, you know, part of the uh, core group that roots for this team. Yes, there's no denying is they took a fo- football chance on a football player, and it it seems to for in the moment, like you said. It seems to have worked. So yeah, I mean the Redskins looked right in that sense.
1: Okay, so you—I wasn't sure you were going to no, no. I don't. I
2: I don't see how you can criticize that. You can't criticize that. What? What are you going to say? I mean, I don't know how you can criticize that. There's
1: no way you can debate that the perception in the moment on Friday when he wasn't suspended was man, the Redskins were right.
2: Yes, of course you would have to come to that conclusion. Now that said, my point in my column on Monday was, well, if 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 this guy didn't sexually assault this woman at least once, you know, maybe twice, if he didn't do any if he didn't do that, if he was cleared of the charges, and the NFL didn't see anything at all to even warrant a suspension, why do they have him on basically lockdown? Why do they have this guy? Why did they feel the need to put out this personal redemption plan, which basically says, we're going to watch this guy's every move. And he going to, I mean, is he going to have a babysitter? I'm not sure. I think, I mean, I, I, I inferred from what I read that he may even have a babysitter like Elijah Dukes had. But anyway, the fact that they put together this remarkable uh, behavior plan for reuben foster made me say why what's everyone afraid of if he didn't do this stuff what's the point i'd be more worried about montae nicholson than i'd be worried about reuben foster you know he's going around beating people up at one loud and i'd be more worried about him than than reuben foster
1: so um remember the courtroom scene in a few good men with you know lieutenant daniel caffey tom cruise and colonel nathan jessup jack nicholson and Kathy's going through that whole process of basically trapping Jessup into the, and I, I, I I'm, I'm not remembering exactly the quote but I think everybody will remember the scene when he essentially says, he basically says your men always follow orders. Yeah, well, he, he says if you know, if Hernandez whatever the guy's name was who was if you gave
2: an order not to harm this guy (laughs) and your men always follow orders why
1: did he need to leave the base yes why did he 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 have to be grave danger yes why was he in grave yes grave danger (laughs) um you want me to go back and read your (laughs) quote so that's essentially what you're saying is like you know if there's no problem, then why do they feel the need to protect him so much? Well, because there is a problem. (laughs) It's the reason that the the 31 other teams wouldn't touch him when he became available off waivers. You know, This was not a player without extraordinary talent. This is a guy that, if you watched him at Alabama, you're like, this dude's going to be a baller in the NFL. And he was supposed to be a mid-first round pick, but all of the troubles dropped him to the end, to the 49ers, who traded back up right into the first round. I forget how that exactly worked in that Draft in the 2017 draft to pick him, but the um, but uh, that, you're you're just you're reaching there. Of course they need a, uh, some structure for this guy. And by the way, and I said this at the time in November when we had this conversation. Who knows? Maybe coming here and being with the people that he was with in college. You know, especially positionally, Sean Dion Hamilton, Ryan Anderson, but also. Payne and john allen and having a leader kind of a guy in john allen maybe it'll ultimately be the best thing for him it worked believe good it or in or, alabama believe didn't it? it or not you know it, it may, worked great
2: at alabama maybe this is the one huh?
1: situation where coming here wouldn't so, isn't a bad
2: thing okay let me just point out something like, like, like i did in the column they can't even run an nfl franchise over at Ash, over I, in, I, I over in ashburn i understand ashburn why make why do you think they'll be able to run a halfway house for this guy? I, because maybe they're not the ones running the
1: halfway house in this particular oh, situation. Oh, they're
2: running everything. Well, now, any I listen, I know for a personal fact. Anybody who has any responsibility contracted or otherwise with the Redskins doesn't sneeze without Bruce Allen.
1: I I don't know how let me I'll, I'll answer it this way. If I'm the Redskins and I'm in charge of the draft, in t- here in 2019, and I'm in charge of this draft, I'm not going to turn down a great inside linebacker in this draft because I've got Reuben Foster on my, my <laughs> roster. Because it's 50-50 at best that it's going to work out moving forward. This is someone who's clearly had some issues and is going to have some... But could potentially. I I hope it doesn't happen. I hope this second chance that the Redskins have given him. Because I'm rooting for the human, the empathetic part of me is rooting for this guy to succeed. By the way, he could end up being a terrific player. But if I'm in charge of the draft, you know, next week, and. There's a great inside linebacker, 3-4 inside linebacker, that's up on the board in round two or round three, and he's the highest rated player on my board. I'm not turning him down because I've got Reuben Foster, and I'm confident Ruben Foster is going to succeed. This is the first step. Clearly, Tommy, what happened in Tampa, I don't know if the Redskins knew all the details. I think they knew enough to roll the dice. And they knew enough probably because they had some access through their existing players, Anderson and Sean Deion Hamilton in particular, the two players that played the same position that Reuben Foster did at Alabama. And they had some information that said, this chick's nuts. This isn't true. He didn't do anything in Tampa. Nothing's going to come of this. And Bruce Allen... I said what the hell let's roll the dice because we know that they didn't call northern california right you know that yes. you did the investigation on that I, I the only thing that i still have a problem with is what i have a problem with when it comes to this organization on a lot of fronts you know they just don't handle these things well you know in in that moment in november and i said this to you it would have been much better had bruce allen stepped because it wasn't going to be snyder Step to the microphone, not push Doug out on Doc show where he messed up and then had to apologize, and the whole thing just was was unseemly the way it was handled. Bruce Allen comes out and says, look, guys, you're going to rip me for whatever I do, and we don't give a shit about that anymore. We signed Reuben Foster because we loved him coming out of the draft, and we think he can help us win, period. If these charges stand and he uh, is found guilty, he'll never play for us again. We do not condone domestic violence. And then they could list all of the charitable events and all the different things they've done for domestic violence with Tanya Snyder and all the different things. He could list all those things, but come back to the, to owning it, own it and say, we did it because we think we, he can help us win. And if we don't win and we don't start to win soon, none of what we do is going to matter. We have to to get good players. And he, I wish they would own those things. Like, they never get it right from a PR standpoint. No, never. They, they
2: never do. And I might want to remind, look, part of the reason I wrote the column was the reaction to the dancing in the street about Reuben Foster, uh, you know, not being suspended, was uh, sort of like, you see... He didn't do anything wrong. No, well, that's stupid. I know. Well, that and that I, was I, the point of the column. And
1: I don't think there was dancing in the street. You may have heard that from your column, but I think there are a lot of people that still think that, that, you know, they can go back to the moment in late November and say this was still not a risk worth taking. Right. But there but, were but, a lot of people, though, who said oh, everyone yeah. needs to apologize yes. for how they absolutely. And the, and those And those people were out there, too. But again, apologize for what? Apologize for uh, you know assuming his guilt. No, I didn't do that. Neither you, did I. You didn't do that. No. So uh, we, it was more about in the moment. Is this the franchise that should be rolling the dice on this player? I said no. And then the way they handled it, I thought once again was clumsy. They do everything from a PR standpoint in a clumsy way. They were right about McLuhan. All right, they were right. They were proven right about McLuhan yes. with his. A wrongful termination suit but the way they handled it was low rent and i thought the way they handled the reuben foster thing it's time for them it's time for when we have these situations in this organization for dan or bruce to step to the microphone man to men or man to men and women all right and and present it in a straightforward way and own it and stop standing behind, cowardly, behind Doug Williams, and then blaming Doug for messing up the message. They're not capable of that. They're not. They're, but, not, they're but, not particularly capable of But they look good on Reuben that. Foster right yes, now. Yes, they do. Yeah. All right. Did you want to weigh in on Tiger?
2: Well, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, I only tweeted one thing after Tiger Woods won on, on on Sunday, and I thought it was, you know, a little bit appropriate, considering the way everyone was squirting about Tiger – on, on social media, I thought it required a little bit of balance. So I I found a picture of a Perkins State pancake house and I tweeted a picture of Perkins yes, and I said, let's celebrate.
1: Yeah. You w- know? What was the follow up to that? Because you told me you were going to do that.
2: Well, that's what I did.
1: Yeah. So I, I did that. What was the reaction to oh, that?
2: Oh, oh my God. Here's, let me, you know, I'm going to read a real <laughs> personal reaction to you from your good buddy, Joe Yashiroff. Okay. Okay, Joe says, "We know you don't like golf or Tiger, but this is not cool, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you can't appreciate one of the great accomplishments in sports history yeah. without taking a cheap shot. Wow. This this was why I did this. You because know, because yeah, God. I mean Tiger Woods, I got a new nickname for him. What? Fairway Jesus." Because that's what he became on
1: Sunday. He became a god. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people thought he was sort of before. You know, this just, sorry, but this this goes to the reaction from Joe. Joe's one of my good friends, and I love Joe a lot. But I can't stand the people in this politically correct society we live in now, a lot of the millennials, I mean, would you ever, I mean, you teach a college class. I can only imagine some of the the political uh, discussions you've had with some of your students. I'm sure you're in alignment with all of them on everything, (laughs) but have a sense of humor. Come on. This is not mean spirited that Tommy, this is trying to be funny. And it was kind of funny. It's not that serious, but really. The, but
2: I mean, it was, I mean, I'm
1: reading all of the reactions. I mean, really it. It was. Although the, the best reaction is "Hey, I hear the waitresses are hot." <laughs> um and uh well, there's something else there that was rather vulgar. But anyway, yeah, but, um But
2: now all that said, yeah. we you and I talked about a l- little bit of this uh on the phone. Uh listen, I think all bets are off now on Tiger. I think he's capable of anything at this point. I mean if he if he is if he can play golf like this and can physically stay healthy I mean I think I think you know everything I had said before to you and you were right Because
1: I had declared. I was was waiting for this. Well, I had declared that Tiger
2: would never win another major. This
1: is another thing. It only took. Another bet that we've had. We didn't have a bet. We didn't have a bet. Oh, we did have a bet. No, we didn't have a bet. We didn't? No. Okay. You
2: just declared it, and I called you an idiot for doing it. (laughs) And it only took you 11 years to be proven right.
1: It wasn't 11. Well, yeah, it was 11. I mean, from the time that all the shit went down with him and his wife and. Yeah. All of the uh, the adultery. Um, Tommy said he'll never win again. I'll never win
2: another major again. I, I wanted said. to I wrong. And, yeah, and I think you were he's, wrong. I think he's, you, I was wrong. You were right. And I think he's capable of winning more majors.
1: Um, I want to recommend, and this is only going to be for a few, but for those that are interested in the back surgery that he had, the fusion that allowed for him to live a normal life and, and ultimately, you know, play golf again, Read Adam Kilgore's story uh, in the Post. I read it earlier this morning, and he goes through the. I mean, for me, it's fascinating because I had the I've had the experience of two lower back surgeries, and I told this story yesterday, Tommy, about my conversation I mean, with Tiger it's, Woods. It's a remarkable
2: ago. conversation given what Tiger Woods uh, has accomplished. I mean it. It's the most connected conversation that I think I've heard about about this guy. Really? I, yes, it is. I think it's. I mean, I think it's the story. I mean, there's no, there's no, nobody can relate to what Tiger Woods had to go through more than you did.
1: Well, that's ridiculous. Nobody, those of us that have had L5S1 surgeries, discectomies okay. because of herniated discs, anybody that had that kind of pain and then had that surgery can relate, but you can't relate to what he's gone through after a fusion and then look at and, and get He's a professional athlete. But but Kevin, 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 uh, you're giving me too much credit. But Kevin, but but. he's a golfer. I know. Well, no, he's an athlete. He's a golfer. No, he's an athlete. He's a golfer. Um, the uh, but read Adam Kilgore's story and the story that uh, that Tommy's referring to. If you didn't hear it on the podcast yesterday, I told the story at about the five minute mark, six minute mark. But I had a conversation before an interview with Tiger Woods at Congressional three years ago as part of the Cooley and Kevin show, before the interview started, we recorded it for the next day's show. And it started uh, with him looking at a chair that he couldn't sit in because of his back pain. I went and got him a more comfortable chair, and it started a 15, 20-minute conversation about our respective back surgeries, in which he told me the next surgery will be a fusion, and he was trying to avoid it because the fused back surgery was supposed to end, more likely than not, the real competitive ability that he would have at a professional level in golf, and Adam Kilgore writes about that. He did a great job in researching it, so I recommend that as a as a read. Um, the The other thing uh, in follow up um, to the the Tiger Woods win uh, at the Masters was: Did you see Nike's stock? No, it skyrocketed really yesterday um, on on Tiger's win. Uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of business impact. Man, I mean, he he really is, Tommy, the biggest needle mover in all of sports. We don't have one like him. You could say LeBron, but it really isn't. I mean, we may see these NBA playoffs without LeBron in them be what golf's majors were without Tiger in them. We could see a comparison there made, but nobody... I, I felt watching it, and I said this yesterday morning, that... I felt like w- the whole world seemed to be watching. Okay, it. but come on, Kevin.
2: What again? He's the biggest needle mover in the impact he has on golf. Okay, we are still talking about golf as
1: compared to other. It's not the NFL. You're okay. right.
2: Okay, so I mean the biggest needle. But I'll it, tell you it, what:
1: the, the, the t- golf where without it, Tiger where peaked,
2: compared to golf with Tiger. Where it
1: peaked at twelve at a twelve point one rating in early afternoon numbers. The only thing it wasn't on Sunday was the NFL. Okay. I'm just pointing well, the out. The only thing it wasn't so on Sunday was the NFL. So when you say biggest needle
2: mover, within within the sphere of, of what he no, does. No, you, you
1: can't say just golf, because from a television rating standpoint, where that thing peaked, because it was a morning broadcast, and by the way, what it would have been, and what it will be at Pebble Beach, if he is in contention, in prime time at Pebble Beach in June, we'll see numbers that, that blow away everything but the NFL. The what what it did Sunday was it was right there with the NBA, you know, blows away a lot of the other niche sports, you know, like hockey and soccer and the others that are niche television with Tiger. With Tiger, that's what it does. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yes, nobody moves. No, there's not a bigger difference with Tiger versus no Tiger in any other individual in all the sports.
2: Well, you know what? I don't know if that's true. What what's the comparable? Well, again, a soccer player. No, because you're, you're comparing television ratings. Let's compare revenue. I would argue that uh, that uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather was a far bigger single-impact athlete than Tiger Woods. Conor McGregor, a far bigger single-impact uh, athlete. On on the pay-per-view
1: numbers? Yes. And then Tiger Woods. If Tiger Woods was in a pay-per-view oh, he, he major... Was. No, no, no. That was not a championship fight. Hmm. It was a made was, made up for TV thing. It was a one on one thing. Him and Phil. Oh, they're, they're, it's apples and oranges. You 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 understand that, right? Okay. It, it, the the apples to apples would be to put the Masters on pay per view, right? With Tiger in the lead, right? Yeah, I think it would. I think it would crush what Mayweather and McGregor Mac- have done. Really? Definitely. Uh, at
2: a hundred million dollars a pop.
1: Well, when you say a hundred, I mean dollars, $100 a hundred uh, dollars a pop. Yeah, well, isn't it, I thought it was fifty four ninety nine. No, it was a hundred dollars. Which one, the McGregor fight, the McGregor? Bo- both
2: of them were a hundred. The
1: McGregor Mayweather f- thing was a hundred bucks. Yes. Okay. The last thing I paid for, I thought I paid fifty four ninety nine.
2: Kevin, they're ninety and a hundred dollars now for of a major major fight.
1: Not the. Maybe you're right. I, somebody, Aaron, look up the last. Price point on pay per view for a big it, Mayweather the, fight. The Mayweather McGregor super fight was eight ninety five plus ten dollars more for high definition. Wait, wait eighty nine ninety yeah. five. Eighty nine ninety five. Ninety dollars. Okay, plus ten dollars more for high definition. So that one was. I, I paid it. I watched it. So I paid ninety nine bucks for that fight. There you go. Jesus God, you fool. Um, but would would two million? What was the pay per view numbers on that fight? I don't know. In, I mean, the, the the record numbers are in the two million range, right? Am I right? Two to three million range yeah. for buys. Wasn't Mayweather-Pacquiao like the the biggest one ever? I think so. Mayweather-McGregor was. Oh, the Mayweather-Pacquiao was four point six million. Four point six million. Four point six million. And, so and would, Mayweather-McGregor was. 4. So would four point six million? Uh, gol- would there be four point six million golf fans that would pay? 99 bucks to watch Tiger in the lead in the on the final round no. of the Masters? No. I don't know the answer to that. I have no <laughs> idea. Although you would think that, you know, golf tends to appeal to a more affluent audience. Not You mean elitist audience. No, it's not elitist. It's more no, affluent elitist and, audience. And demographically, when it comes to, you know, average income, I would bet that the golf the typical golf fan is is has it has a higher average income? The word is elite. No, it's not. That's your word for. for. It. I I think I don't know how many how many millions of people watched the final round. I know what the TV numbers were. What did that equate to in millions of people watching? And again, it didn't
2: cost them a dime to watch I know.
1: it. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that number and come up with what I think you know is a reasonable percentage of those people that would have paid.
2: That will that will fit your narrative. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Of yes. Course. Well, it might. It <laughs> might fit my narrative, but if it doesn't, I will tell you that it doesn't. How many millions watched the final round? Let, let's. Uh, I,
2: I'm getting. I'm getting the numbers and the share, and and it peaked with a twelve point one twenty eight rating.
1: Whatever. We can't find the, the information. I, I can't believe that information is not available. But what but, I would uh, say, trust, you, trust let me, let me well,
2: Kevin will find it. Let me fit. Let me and just. And he'll fit be the proven narrative.
1: right. Let's just say it's twelve million that watched. You know, at the peak. Um, and 20%, 30% of those people would pay. So, you know, we would be at somewhere around 3.6 million. So maybe it wouldn't equate that. I can't imagine that they'd have a bigger than sort of a 30% free versus pay um, conversion thing so maybe not you you might be right whatever I, I you know what who cares uh if 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 Tiger were in the final round at the Masters and it was on pay-per-view a lot of people would pay for it I don't know the number but a lot of people would pay for it I don't even know where this conversation started
2: well you said he was the biggest needle mover, I think he is and I said it depends how you measure it
1: I guess that's true uh maybe even by you know uh t- television ratings maybe if Mayweather were on regular tv Maybe if Mayweather
2: would... packy Hour on regular TV. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have missed it. I know <laughs> that. Uh, what else did we have today? Uh, That's it, boss. No, I got what? Well, we got two other things. Okay. We will save the conversation three other things because we're going to br- bring David Kotler in here um, from Mama Lucia's. He's the guy that feeds Alex Ovechkin during the postseason. But um, I wanted to mention t- two quick things. One, uh, Anthony Cowan and Bruno Fernando both signed with an agent, and entered into the NBA draft. Just so everybody knows, the new rules are you can sign with an agent and change your mind and come back. Anthony Cowan is not going to the NBA. He wouldn't get picked in this draft. Now, there's always the possibility with these guys, they get to a certain age, and it's like, I'm done with school. I just want to start earning an income, even if I have to play internationally. Um, And maybe Cowan's in that boat. I haven't heard that he is in that uh, particular uh, situation. So I would be surprised um, if that's the case. Uh, The Bruno Fernando thing, I'll tell you what, more mock drafts are coming out, and he's barely a first-rounder.
2: I I read fall in the second round. Well,
1: the ESPN uh, guy, uh, Javanchi, or whatever his last name is, had him at the 34th overall pick, which is the fourth pick in the second round of the draft.
2: How bizarre is it when you're rooting for a a kid – not to do well. I know that's what you're doing, really. Yeah, you do to a certain. degree. I right? mean, because it would because how how much better it would be for Maryland if Bruno came back next year? All
1: right. The other thing that I wanted to get to is that 20 years ago, actually tomorrow, 20 years ago tomorrow was tomorrow will be the anniversary of the trade, the Ricky Williams trade between the Redskins and the Saints. Um, One of the real fleecings of all time, you know, by the way, pulled off by Charlie Casserly. Yes. Charlie Casserly, you know, basically got all six of the New Orleans Saints 1999 draft choices. Plus they got their first round and third round picks the following year in 2008 overall draft choices to move up seven spots to the Redskins number five spot in the 1999 draft to select Ricky Williams it's Mike Dicka, it what, what so peter king wrote about it in monday morning quarterback um yesterday and there, there were some quotes about it like norv turner um was asked about it and he said 20 years ago quote 20 years ago that's crazy um and that essentially charlie casserly had you know been the Fourth or fifth team that that Ditka, who was coaching the Saints and running the Saints at the time, that that Charlie was the first out of five teams that said, "Oh yeah, we're in," (laughs) and that somehow miraculously the three or four teams that Ditka first approached turned down the deal, turned it down, and Casserly said, "Yeah, I'm interested." And Casserly actually negotiated more than Ditka was willing to offer, getting the first round the following year in addition to the original deal that had been put together. And um, Casserly is quoted in this thing. Uh, He says, when the coaches were told about it that day, I'm sorry, North Turner first said, when the coaches were told about it that day, we looked at each other and said, this can't be real. You got to do that. And Charlie Casserly agreed to the deal after negotiating for that additional first round pick the following year, agreed to it. Quickly, Ditka apparently was head over heels over Ricky Williams, who, by the way, even then people knew about this massive weed smoking problem that he had. Um, And Ditka apparently, during league meetings that spring, he was going around saying, I'll trade my whole draft for Ricky Williams. (laughs) And teams were saying, nah. And Casserly said to Ditka and to Kuharik, who, uh, Billy Kuharik, who was the Saints GM at the time, said, We're interested. We'll listen, and New Orleans because they didn't have the second round pick that year. That's when Casserly said, "I need your first and third in 2000, and we'll we'll do the deal." And they did it. And Casserly said it was a generational trade. It was, uh, and and the Saints or it should have been. The Saints knew from the get go. From the moment that deal happened, that there were problems, big problems, because when they finally had a chance to sit down with Ricky Williams, they realized that he was intensely shy. That's a quote from Ditka, and that uh, you know he had these incredible anxiety-related issues. Do you remember? Yes. Personal anxiety-related issues, which by the way was the reason that he smoked a lot of weed. Yeah. Was to to really help him uh, with that. Um, On the plane after drafting Williams, he was coming flying back to New Orleans to meet the press. He was given a Saints cap to wear, and Williams looked at the guy who handed it to him, and he said, I'm not wearing that. And the guy said, well, you're going to be doing a press conference from a podium. And he said, I'm not doing that either. (laughs) (laughs) So right from the get-go, they knew that they had major problems. Of course, the Redskins with that number 12 pick in that draft, picked Champ Bailey. And then the next year, you know, got uh, LeVar Arrington and Chris Samuels with their own pick and with the Saints pick.
2: You know, it's hard to believe that this team had a draft where they got LeVar Arrington and Chris Samuels and didn't have any more to show for it.
1: Well, I mean, the year that they drafted uh, LeVar Arrington and Chris Samuels was also the year that Dan Snyder decided he was going to play fantasy football with free agency. I know. I know, Jeff George, to, to have Sanders, a draft, to Mark have Carrier, two players like that I know. And, and not have more to show for it, it's unbelievable. And, and you know, the Chris Samuels selection in 2000 was the last lineman, offensive or defensive, that they took in the first, I believe, three rounds until Trent Williams was selected 10 years later yeah. in 2010. Because I think that... Um, uh the guy, uh Molinari was a guy I think that was picked in the draft, and maybe the third round, maybe it was the first two rounds, the only offensive or defensive lineman during that that era of horrible drafting, the draft being minimized by the organization, free agency being, you know, certainly something that was the the preferred route to uh, building a roster. We know that didn't work. And we also know that over the last ten years with Bruce Allen, there's been much more of an emphasis on the draft and which is a much better way to go but that hasn't worked either because they haven't had great drafts they've right. had a couple of good ones but not nothing great but 20 years ago uh that trade you know I remember as a Redskins fan thinking i remember i I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I was thinking I was thinking damn Ricky Williams would have looked good in a Redskin <laughs> uniform because he was you know he was a dominant running back. Um, Champ Bailey uh, obviously ended up being great. Ricky Williams was, what, out of the league two or three years later, I think, before he made that second act yes. with Miami. Um, But 20 years ago today, one of the all-time great trades in NFL history, comparable to really the Vikings-Cowboys Hershel trade Walker for Herschel Walker. Yeah. Um, where Jimmy Johnson, you know, except
2: Jimmy Johnson built a Super Bowl. Yes, winner. he
1: did, because Jimmy Johnson was a keen talent evaluator, and they got rid of Charlie Casserly, you yes. know, and Vinny Serato took over, and you know, plundered uh, the franchise uh, with uh, with Dan Snyder over the next well ten years with Vinny, and another ten with Bruce. All right, let's uh, finish up the show and bring in a friend of the show, a friend of to- I mean, how many? David Kotler, who works at Mama Lucia, probably came to more of those Lunch with Legend Legends podcasts than anybody yeah. did. The ones we did. And and right now, Mama Lucia is offering their Caps Hockey Special. That's uh, a, It's a chicken Parmesan dinner and a large pizza already specially priced at $30. But... If you mention me by using my promo code Kevin Caps, it's all lowercase, K E V I N C A P S, you'll get ten dollars off the already priced, uh, especially priced thirty dollars for a large pizza and a chicken parmesan dinner. It's the Caps Hockey Special. Order online at mamalucia restaurants.com. It's a great deal for just twenty bucks. You can pick up or get delivery. Uh, That is Uh, our presenting sponsor during our caps playoffs. And let's bring David in to ask him if he's going to feed Alex Ovechkin before potentially a game five of a two, two series.
2: You know, you know, We've talked about this before. There's no food drop. I'd loved more at, at, at 980. And we than got Mama food Gucci. today. I know David brought so food in. All I wonder right. if it's Al. Is it Alice Ovechkin's food?
0: Well, I bought you plenty, Tom. I got you a large <laughs> cheese pizza. I got you a large all meat Sicilian pizza. So the thick crust, and then I bought brought you what Ovi eats for breakfast every game day morning at home. We delivered to the. The ice rink at ten thirty. A chicken parm, pasta plain, four different sauces, and a bucket of bread. And that's what. And um,
1: what do you do when they're on the road? You don't. You don't feed them on the road. Did, no. Did you? Didn't you though? Last year, feed them on the road before maybe game seven in Tampa. You, I was you, at. You, okay, game you went seven, to game seven in which Tampa, which is
0: still the second greatest sporting event I've <laughs> ever been to live. Uh, number one being Super Bowl Seventeen.
1: Tell everybody this is David Kotler who works for Mama Lucia, and again, you can get this special for twenty bucks using my code Kevin Caps. All right, if you order online at Restaurants dot com, chicken parmesan and a large pizza. How did this start with you and Ovechkin? Started long before me. Okay, I'm pretty sure we've been doing it for about eight
0: nine years. Um, the previous manager in the Bethesda store was from Toronto, so had a hockey connection. Chris
1: wasn't from Toronto. Yes, oh, he yes, was
0: absolutely. I didn't know that. Chris was from Toronto, and we used to feed more than just Ovi. But over the years, they put in a five-star kitchen, hired chefs, so the order dwindled down. It was six for a couple years, and then starting last year, it was just Ovi. Um, I guess you really can't say no to the great eight.
1: No, you so, can't. Um, so, are you the one that delivers his pregame meal? No,
0: I've never delivered. <laughs> why it. Why not? We send. You're our, the
1: biggest fan that they have. We send
0: a, a driver down. Okay. Um, yeah, you, you know, every morning and a lot
1: of mornings, he's the one that'll open you, the door. You drive them nuts. <laughs> they say, "All right, get out of here. Enough questions for Ovi." <laughs> Me, Kevin. <laughs> what are the four different sauces for his pasta?
0: Marinara, meat sauce. Alfredo sauce, and I think his favorite is the mushroom marsala Okay,
1: sauce. That actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, and it's, I'd do a mushroom marsala on pasta. It's right there, Kevin. It's All right. Right there awesome. for
0: you. Now, I want to make one more offer.
1: Yeah. Okay. Because
0: I guess about a third of your audience is local. and No, but,
1: more than that's local.
0: Okay, half local. Yeah, half,
1: something around there.
0: Okay. But for those out of town yeah. that want to send an OV special, to somebody in town. All they got to do is call 443-532-5186. Okay. And I will deliver a gift card to anybody they want in this local market, and they'll just pay over the phone, um, and we'll we'll make that happen. So Mm -hmm. anybody that's feeling generous after OV threw the greatest punch, I think, maybe, in 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 Cap's history. Tommy
1: Tommy really enjoyed Woo! it. Did he <laughs> knock that
0: little kid out who's a super fan? Yeah. A super fan of One. I, I
1: know. Nineteen years old. Um All right, so that's a great offer, right? David mentioned, you know, a lot of our audience, believe it or not, a lot of the audience of, of this podcast aren't in the DC metro area, which is really nice. I personally feel, Tommy, and I think we've talked about this before, it's a lot of transplanted D.C. sports fans. Redskin fans probably more than anything else, but just D.C. sports fans that now live in L.A. or Northern California or New York or Dallas or Orlando or Charlotte, and we have a lot of people listening from those, those markets. So david just made you an offer if you're a big caps fan you can get this caps hockey special all right and it's it's a 20 dollars special using my promo code kevin caps and if you call 443-532-5186 443-532-5186 you can send that caps hockey special to somebody in the market that you you know you feel like feeding a friend Happy. it's a gift and david will take good care of it all right do, do they are, are they in trouble in this series or do you still feel good up 2-1 cuz they were dominated last well, night well
0: you got to feel good but um i called into a local show after game 1 and they wanted to know who the david's MV- a big
1: sports talk radio caller that's how we first met
0: they wanted to know who the mvp was of game 1 and the mvp to me was Backstrom. Backstrom, Ovechkin, and Orpik, yep. the three older guys. And it was still the older guys that that um, won game two and nobody really showed up except Ovechkin's punch last night. I think that we need those young guys that played great last year to wake up. And I wouldn't be surprised if DSP, if Devontae Smith-Pelly was back on the Ooh. squad from Hershey before the playoffs went over. much
1: further. I mean, he was such an important uh, And he had a he had a
0: year. hat trick at for Hershey. I think he had two, so Interesting. I wouldn't that's be surprised. That's a good call, David.
2: See, yeah. That's a pretty good to call. See yeah. him.
0: Thanks, Tommy. So,
1: <laughs> all right. Um thanks for in David brought in food. Tommy and I are huge Mama Lucia fans. Yes. Tommy the only time we could get Tommy to wait after a show was when Mama Lucia was delivering <laughs> pizza. Um, it's great pizza, it's great pasta, it's just great home cooked Italian food. And again, go to mamalucciarestaurants.com and order the Caps Hockey special large pizza chicken parmesan, use my code lowercase kevin caps and you'll get it all for 20 bucks uh, during this hockey season thanks david appreciate it you got it kevin all right uh tommy thanks see you thank you we're gonna sit here and eat lunch together yes we are uh and then uh you'll be back on thursday by the way the nfl schedule comes out tomorrow night i can't wait to see and i got got a feeling you're gonna set a record this year buddy it it wouldn't be hard to set a record i just need (laughs) two right that would tie the record i think uh but anyway um enjoy the day back tomorrow